Welcome to the Herd is Calling podcast, where we explore the wisdom of the horse and how you can become a purpose-driven equestrian. I'm Josh Williams, who with my wife, Victoria, are your hosts for this podcast. We are the creators of My Horse Journey, a holistic horsemanship coaching program and virtual community. On this show, we'll share insights and stories from our own journey, as well as interviews with incredible horse people, equine therapists, horse advocates, equine assisted service providers, and more. Our goal is to inspire and empower you to understand and connect with horses in ways that are truly transformative. To learn more about our community and programs, visit us at myhorsejourney.com. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Let's get to the episode. I was just going back to what you were saying about feel and how something that you haven't yourself necessarily like specifically writing in this case fell or if you did it wouldn't feel the same for you and I just mm-hmm. think the intuition the feel that that takes is like a whole nother level that's feel mm-hmm. yeah I had a veteran the other day he was saying something he's like I don't even know what it was and I I did this and I just and I just went whoosh and I said that's feel Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, that's what it is. And he's been riding with us. Had a long history of riding, came back to horses as a retired person. And like, that's what feel is. It's this elusive thing, but it's just, you feel it. You stop thinking about it and you just feel it. So it, it's an interesting paradox, the thinking versus feeling and where all of that plays in, because you have to think about things, but then you also have to feel things. So it's like, mm-hmm. we have to sink down into our body and feel the things that we've been thinking about in order to make them stick and make them real. It's almost like plugging into something that's out there that we all have access to that maybe by ourselves, we can't quite get it at- It's kind of like, I think about Elizabeth Gilbert, she wrote a book about creativity and she's not the first one to talk about creativity this way and art this way, but like, there's just all these ideas floating around. And if you're in the right place, physically, emotionally, mentally to plug into that, it's all there for the taking. And I just think about that in terms of feel with horses, with relationships, with people. It's kind of, to me, the golden thread that runs through all this stuff we're Mm. talking about. It's just this Mm -hmm. universal flow that we somehow from our culture or, you know, our traumas and any and all of it in between have been systematically in a lot of ways disconnected from it. And that's why horses are so cool. They're like this pathfinder for us. Like, mm. follow me. I'll show you a way to to tap into this. When you're mentioning trauma too, I love how Glennon Doyle, I know she's for all fans of her. Yeah. <laughs> when she says, when our body experiences trauma of any level, which everybody has experienced trauma if you've lived in the world, our brain has to leave in order to survive sometimes. Mm-hmm. So we all have pieces of us where we need to sink back down into our body. One, to continue being connected to people and horses. The other is to heal that piece. And horses are 100% feeling embodied beings all the time they can mirror that back to us so well we had lots of cool conversations about mirroring neurons i don't have all the language to explain that but it was fascinating we all have had those moments where we hopefully we realize that when we're with horses our energy our anxiety is 
can feed into a horse's behavior. If we're able to affect change in our own bodies and our own minds, it can help the horse come back down too. They have lots of information for us about ourselves. <laughs> They're just awesome. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you brought up paradox earlier, which is of course something we're always seeking. Jung said something, and I'm totally paraphrasing so I don't have it in front of me, but that, that when you are in the presence of paradox, you know, you're touching up upon the truth. And mm -hmm. uh, right. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And I love your story is so full of paradox. And I notice a lot in your language and I've learned from you even more so this, the importance of language, but I know I've seen a lot in just conversation with you that you emphasize the word and when you're talking, mm -hmm. and I know that's very intentional, mm -hmm. uh, that things are not always ors, you know, that there is an and a statement and that speaks to paradox. We learned a lot from you about the not writing part and, the, and we even changed the name of one of our modules we do a play on the letters of journey. So it's seven letters, seven modules. And in was originally called now we ride, which is the point where we talk about equitation and feel in the saddle and things like that. And we changed the name to now we go together, which was homage to Tom Dorrance's saying, first we go with the horse, then the horse goes with us, and then we go together. So it's towards the end of the journey. So the idea is that we're going together. But I think that you have a lot to offer the equestrian world in your story, because even for people that are able to ride in the traditional sense, something that we found in our teaching, this is where I love how our worlds lined up in a really neat way, was that the groundwork, or as you helped us even with that language of going more unmounted, because groundwork is really a component of unmounted time with horses, that there's so much there that oftentimes people miss some of that. You know, they skip over that trying to get to the writing part. We just think the unmounted part is so important from a lot of the things you just said, all the magical, awesome stuff, the heart coherence, the mirror neurons, however you want to describe it. There are many different ways. The connection piece, that all happens on the ground. And there's so many applications for that from therapy to volunteers to the adaptive writing community at large. A lot of that is done there. And there's even things like ground driving to where you can still practice feel of reins and things like that. And but your body language and the, the body way language, your, your hips. And yeah, I mean, it's not just just reins even in that regard. It's really everything. And of course, we talk a lot about visualization and, and we refer to different traditions like Sally Swift's idiokinesis background from Dominique Barbier's French classical dressage lineage, where they talk about the picture in your mind. So much of it is actually formed in your mind and we can get really esoteric where it's like, well, where does the mind stop and the world begins, you know, but we're not going to go there right now. Not yet. <laughs> but we have that conversation a few days ago and i'm paraphrasing here a little bit you said i feel like we should run a psa campaign for unmounted horsemanship <laughs> yes we need to hire as an industry a pr expert for unmounted programming and i think it's a, sometimes it's like a consolation prize or a rainy day activity or something that we're just doing unmounted today we don't get to ride today but there's so much opportunity for richness and learning uh, 
and so many beneficial therapeutic things in there. There are people who can't ride, and I know that well, I'm a non-rider. There are programs that are exclusively unmounted. Of course, they know the benefits of unmounted programming. There are centers who treat unmounted programming and mounted programming or writing programming equally, which is awesome. So I think the the rest of us, the rest of the industry needs to catch up a little and really look at the many benefits of unmounted programming and how we can offer, we often refer to it as alternative programming or alternative options to writing for people who either maybe they were writing and, you know, they have a precaution or a contraindication that means that their writing is no longer appropriate or they come to us not being able to ride. And we might call it we make sure we have alternative options for them. I think they're just options. I'm, I'm getting a little tired of the word alternative yeah. in so many avenues. I think they're just options. They're options for people. What we do as fast instructors is pair people up with the program that works best for them if we have the luxury of having multiple programs. It's something that we can look at for future planning of how we can incorporate more of this mindfulness and, ho and a holistic-based horsemanship, especially if we're not offering therapy services, if we're not already doing EAP or EFP or equine-assisted psychotherapy or equine-facilitated psychotherapy, <laughs> for those who are not familiar with all of the acronyms and initials that we use in in our world. There, there are just so many rich opportunities to help more people in lots of different ways and incorporate all of this work. I know as riding instructors, sometimes we, we want to get people on the horses as soon as possible, but there is, there is definitely an argument for starting on the ground. I mean, we literally start on the ground and finish on the ground, but as far as doing mindful horsemanship and groundwork start on the ground finish on the ground and then keep coming back to it keep coming back to it i feel like riding is just one portion of our time with horses so yeah pr campaign <laughs> or unmounted programming there are a lot of people who are doing awesome things and already know all of the awesome things about unmounted programming that mm -hmm. Keep putting the word out there. Yes, please. I mean, I, you I, guys are I, doing a great job at that. I love it. You guys are on there. Nice. Chrissy approves. That's yeah. That, that well, no, means I, a lot. I do appreciate that because we were feeling like that was really important. And we do emphasize mm -hmm. that. That's why originally the Now We Ride wasn't until J-O-U-R-N. It wasn't until week five. And anyway, technically, if you, and if you go into that module, it's <clears> very little, like mostly the preparation for mm -hmm becoming mounted it was yeah. like all about the way you get your horse teched up the the mm -hmm. routine you do before you get on it so mm -hmm. i have been a writing instructor for many years and want all of my students to probably spend i would say 70 percent more time on the ground than they do and i'm their instructor and already like that that's sort of my program mm -hmm. still becomes very hard mm -hmm. uh, because yes people just have this thing that you gotta ride you gotta ride that's sort of yeah. the thing and it's just so not it's like like you said just one piece it's one option it's one mm -hmm. path you can go down mm -hmm. and if you do that you dang sure better be coming back to groundwork a lot because you're gonna have when you talk about cycles mm -hmm. you have a lot of repair to do because as humans, once we get on, we're going to be making all sorts of mistakes and doing all sorts of things that we need to come back to the ground. And like our friend Ty says, ask the horse for 
forgiveness yes. <laughs> and yeah. learn from some of the, the data we picked up when, when we were trying new things and do that repair on the ground and keep cultivating the relationship on the ground and keep learning more on the ground. I wish that was more a thing and I, we were going to make it more of a thing. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's why I appreciate Chrissy helping mm -hmm. bring that up more because it's not like we work with a lot of people that are writing in a more traditional sense of the word here locally, but I know there's so many people that don't necessarily mm -hmm. even want to ride or not able to ride, or if they're like volunteering, say at a barn like yours, they're not, they that's just not even on an option. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they still need to learn all the same stuff that we need to learn about horse language and culture. They need to learn about how things work, how the horse's senses see the world, how they should react, how to read behavior to stay safe, to keep their people you're working with safe, to have fun, to mm -hmm. be able to enjoy. Because when you, it's kind of like if I was vis visiting another country and if I didn't know any language or culture, I'm going to be confused and kind of lost and probably high anxiety and breaking into a sweat and just not sure mm -hmm. if I'm doing the right thing at any time. And that's not very relaxing or fun. So, mm -hmm. so when you're able to settle into that, it's just a lot funner. And, and I love that side of things, not only because it helps those folks that I think sometimes it just sort of gets passed over. You try to pick up what you can from the writing community. And then what that does is it's like it forms a feedback loop where then they become the best advocates for the horse. And it becomes this healthy cycle of give and take rather than just take, 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 which so much of the human animal world is just take, take, take. Yeah, absolutely. I always try to remind people how important the unmounted work is, even if in some situations a participant comes and the horse is already groomed for them, it's already tacked up for them, already has the bridle on, they're handed their horse. But it's that moment, even that moment where you're handed a horse who's ready for you, you then need to connect with that horse before you even ask them to walk on. Because mm -hmm. if you're taking the reins and giving them a tap and pulling on the bridle and asking them to walk on, like you've missed, you've missed a huge opportunity to make your ride better. If you're blowing past all of the horse's signals, we have one horse in particular who's an excellent teacher. He's very sensitive. You guys know who he is because I talk about it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that exact situation with a participant just last week. And we'd already, it was his second ride on him, but he was familiar with that horse from years ago. And he just went, just from habit, just went and took the reins and like gave him, gave the horse a tap just behind his girth and the horse like didn't move. I'm like, well, okay, let's reset. So let's use the things we learned about him under saddle last week and how your ask on a big draft horse, like your one level ask for your leg aid for a draft horse for this horse, that's his five. Mm -hmm. So let's reset and ask the horse, like, take a deep breath and check in with your horse. Look at his body language. Is his is his neck tense? Is his body tense? Like, maybe you need to stand there and breathe, breathe with him a little bit more. Soften your body. Give some more slack in the reins. And he took a deep breath, checked in with the horse, and gently asked the horse to walk on, and he did. Mm -hmm. If we're getting into this, like, push-pull battle with the horses before we even get on the horse is more likely to be just tolerating us rather than relaxing in and going with us there, there's so much opportunity to reassess 
everything we do with horses. It is exhausting work sometimes to analyze everything we're doing. But on the other side of that is so much awesomeness. We really owe it to our horses to keep learning and to keep doing a better job at every moment we have with them. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, I love how you use the word opportunity there too, because so much of our culture and society, we blaze over connection, vulnerability for a variety of reasons. Like maybe you have the horse there if, if I'm a student and maybe I do want to connect, but I'm not sure how and I don't want to look yeah. down. So I'm like, okay, let's just go, you know. So yeah. then you miss that opportunity or maybe you're not even thinking about it because it's just not part of the vernacular of daily activity mm -hmm. in Western society, particularly. I love how you said that. And I'm curious, too, because you're in such a unique position having now you mentor other teachers. You've been involved with PATH for a long time. You've been involved with your barn for a lot longer than that. What do you think? that industry that you're in, what do you think it could use? What do you think it's it's missing or where would you like to see it go in the future? I think our industry is full of an incredible amount of incredibly caring people. I mean, we don't come into this work for the money or the accolades or anything like that. It's really hard work. It can be really exhausting work. Many Many people in centers, instructors are also the program director and the volunteer coordinator and wearing so many hats. So saying do more things or do a better job is often not what people want to hear. But if this kind of new perspective can add to your existing equine welfare program and your equine enrichment program, if you can think of it like just boosting the existing way that you do with horses and you guys have a lovely way to package all of this. Not that it's not hard work, but it's simple. You bring like really simple instruction and lots of actionable items and this incredibly compassionate, empathetic way of presenting the information and supporting people. So everyone should do your course, first of all. <laughs> Don't just think about it like for you, like your volunteer team, like they're there to serve and to help and to maybe get more time with horses if they don't have their own or get more time with people. And there's so many ways that we can be more mindful and incorporate this kind of practice into anything we're doing anything, any part, like our staff meetings, all of the above. I love how you qualified everything you said with like, this is an industry full of caring, loving people mm -hmm. who are giving their all mm -hmm. and probably have very little left in the tank in many different ways, energetically, resource-wise. I mean, just running a barn and not going underwater financially is mm -hmm. extremely difficult. Uh, we, we ran a for-profit boarding barn. It could barely keep that above water. I mean, we were just mm -hmm. kind of like breaking even and taking care of 20 horses, you know, horses so expensive yeah and the and the work and the labor and to do it correctly and to manage everything right it's it's a huge draw i see that even just like in the bigger world of education you know they're not going to get their master's degree teaching because they're just trying to get rich like it's a very heart-centered giving back it's usually a calling it's more of a, a deeper life meaning kind of a thing so maybe trying to think of a way if i was hearing you correctly a way to help people that doesn't necessarily ask more but that actually removes tension or as we say brace using horsemanship yeah. words mm -hmm. remove brace remove tension just like mm -hmm. the going slow and half speed is a great example it's like it's actually easier you know it takes off pressure and it helps everybody slow down you can do less mm -hmm. not do more 
and actually get more to the core of that deeper meaning in the process, which is a really awesome gift, I think, especially for the givers and the healers and the teachers of the world to be able to try to find that and tap into that more. Absolutely. And there, you know, there's no shame in the way we're doing any of this because we're all, like you said, we're all in it for most of us for the right reasons. <laughs> and for as PATH instructors or PATH certified professionals, there are more people in our industry that are uh, outside of instructing as well. We are required to get continuing education credits in order to keep our certification. So if we could use that time to look into mindfulness practices and mm. holistic horsemanship, I think that would be a great way to incorporate that. We have to get our hours in anyway. Right. And I, I definitely believe you will see the benefits immediately as I did, I immediately incorporated all of this. Like I go out and learn it and then I'm able to, in the next day, influence or input it into my lessons and my instruction immediately. So because we all know how to breathe, we all know how to be present. Sometimes we need some tips and tricks. Mm -hmm. We all know how to be around horses and we know how to be safe around horses and all those good things too. So I think it's, it's not, like I said, it's not easy, but it's simple. Mm. Simple, it's not easy. So acknowledging that you know, everyone has all of all of these to do's already. There shouldn't be another to do. It should be a get to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. that. That was, that was one of the things. That was one of the key shifts that you brought to the group. Yes. That, that saying that was one of many, but that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that, I discovered that phrase or that trick when I was getting certified. So it is replacing I have to do with I get to. And we, I didn't realize how much I said I have to. Like I have to go to the grocery store, I have to go to work, I have to do this, I have to make my lunch and take to work today because I'm going to be there for a while. I have to, have to, have to, have to, have to, have to, have to. And if you change that, it's just an awareness, just changing it and saying yeah. I get to. I get to go to the grocery store today. Oh, there's some gratitude there that I get to go to the grocery store. Yeah. I have a grocery store just down the road for me. It has lots of healthy options. I can afford to go there. And that it just, it just builds this sense of gratitude. And it also kind of relaxes you a little bit. I get to go to the grocery store. <laughs> I get to go to work. I get to go to work with horses. I get to have hard conversations at work that we'll all learn from and benefit from. I get to... I get to, I get to, I get to. So that was a, a really cool reframe that I still use today. I have a notepad mm. that says I get to, my get to do list. <laughs> I love that. Cool. That's very good. So Chrissy, have you, I feel like this is a good segue into this question. Have you figured out what your deepest intention is with horses? It's um, such a good question. I don't think I have, been able to put it into words yet mm -hmm. that's fair and I'm okay with that because that <laughs> means I get to keep experiencing it and figure it out I think the the journey to figuring something out is as valuable as figuring it out oh yeah, so that's good put that into words yet because it's such a deep question and it, interestingly I thought that I probably could before I took this journey with all of you and I'm like, hmm, yep, I don't think I know it. 
don't think I know it yet. That wasn't quite it. So yeah. still figuring it out. Mm-hmm. When you say you think that that's even almost more valuable, that process, that's Maybe pretty that's neat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very good. yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I wonder, I'm just thinking, cause I know a bit more about your life than what we've shared in this podcast. And you've had a lot of range of experiences from growing up the way you grew up to moving from Australia to Hawaii. You've had some extreme challenges and overcome a lot of adversity. Do you think your life experiences with horses have helped you be a better instructor and facilitator? Just to keep digging into the hard questions here. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I, horses don't lie. And I think horses have helped me learn about emotional integrity in a way that's healing, like really being honest about and searching for what we're actually really feeling and what's really important to us. The horses have helped highlight that for me, for sure. Realizing how, like, you know, I firmly believe that horses don't need to be hugged they don't need to be kissed on the muzzle they don't need to be fed treats every day there are so many human things that we do like humans are so weird <laughs> but horses give us like the more we learn about them the more awareness we have about them and the more awareness we have about ourselves like what are what are we really doing when we're saying what we're saying what are we really doing in our relationships at home and at, and at work and Are we being congruent? Are we being, you know, we say we want to live authentically and be authentic, but are we, and we're requiring that of other people, are we also doing that for ourselves? So yes, I think horses have, horses have taught me how to be a better human, how to human and how to adult, I think for sure. Mm <laughs> I was getting a little like itchy as you were talking. About I'm itchy too. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. it's work. It's the work. It's work. It's work if you want to be around horses. Yeah, it's work. It's really good work. I mean, we know that. We know this, but <laughs> we know this. But... Yeah, I guess if we're if we're feeling itchy, maybe we'll ask, "What's your biggest stuck point when it comes to your personal <laughs> personal work with horses?" Oh, goodness. I think it's the embodiment piece, which I was talking to my Mm. sister about the word embodiment the other day. And I said, what does it mean to you? She's like, oh, I don't know. Like, you just do the thing. (laughs) Like, yeah, I didn't really realize what that meant either. But I, uh, I remember something that Glennon Doyle said when she, she was talking about trauma and leaving the body and you know, she's a writer and she's very cerebral and lots of thinking. And she said, you know, I found, I found all these books. I found 20 books about embodiment and, you know, and her friend, you know, friend mentor said, yeah, reading some books should do it. (laughs) Meaning like, yeah, if you stay from your, you know, from your chin up, you're, you're going to think you're embodied, but you actually have to sink down and feel it in your body. So I remember we talked about embodiment in the course. And I I remember saying one day there was an embodiment piece. I think it went along with equitation perhaps. And I remember saying, so how do we do that? (laughs) How do I get embodied? And you gave me some good tips about, you know, the grounding meditation and feeling where your feet are, rocking to the back of your feet, rocking forward to your toes, rocking Mm. to the sides of 
your feet and then to the insides and slowly moving up your body. And if you're doing that with intention and awareness, you can't help but be in your body. Like that's what it is. You're a feeling being, you are present and you're in your body. And then you look up and your horse is like, hey, I know who you are. I know exactly who you are. Want to do some fun things. So that figuring that out, figuring out how to do that has been a struggle for me, especially being gosh, the imposter syndrome piece, because I work with a lot of people who have a lot more horse experience than I do, like grew up like you, Victoria, grew up just on horses. Like that's your, that's your experience. Like there's probably like every year of your life, you can tie to something with horses because it's so much a part of your life. If I'm doing something or trying something new at work and it doesn't work, <laughs> that can be a hard moment for me. You know, there's just a lot of ego involved there, obviously. But moving, be able to, like, realizing that when I'm in that space and thinking, oh, gosh, who's watching me do this? Or, oh, God, wow, that didn't work. That's not being present. Mm. So I have realized that all I need to do in that moment is just come back into my body and be present. And then all of that goes away. So I feel like that's the one of the solutions I found or one of the tools that I have now to to help with that. Not that I remember it all the time, but the horse is really great about saying, nope, mm -mm, try again. You don't have it yet. Hmm. Go back and reset. So it's just cool. <laughs> I think we can safely file that in the simple but not easy category. Yeah, there's yeah. another one of those. Mm -hmm. And I'll just say for, for those of us who have been fortunate enough to grow up with horses like me, there's, you know, there's a lot of unlearning that has to happen oh, yeah. too, you know, that's been basically what the last like, five years have been for me. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the horses meet you exactly where you're at, where you're at is always a little farther than where the horse would like you to be when it comes to working with the horse. So, and that's where the beginner's mind and just being curious and working on getting clear about what you're sensing, what you're feeling. It's just so helpful. I took a few lessons at the Barbiers last summer. And I mean, I got told to stop, stop doing so much. <laughs> you know, like, it was just like, you you know, too much. Like we're, you're not here to train our horses. <laughs> like, so, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it was rough, but I, I totally get it. We're all on our own spots on the journey. Yeah. And, and that's what, I always tell people, like, if your teacher, whatever field you're in, if your teacher, your coach, your mentor is doesn't have their own mentor, right. then you need to find another one. Because you have to have that beginner's mindset. You have to humble yourself on a regular basis and fail and get back up. I heard the term the other day that was failing forward. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Failing forward. Yeah. which is, sounds very hopeful. <laughs> we have to rely on other people who have been in the trenches who can help us through and help us see what we're missing. I think that's really important to have uh, quality mm -hmm. mentorship. 
I agree. I saw, I was just read something the other day that I thought was really interesting talking about how information rich failure is, how mistakes, you know, we, we often say there's a lot of data in, in errors and mistakes when something goes wrong, you can, mm -hmm. there's a lot of data and you can learn from that. However, uh, another argument actually against that is that when there is a mistake, when something happens, there's usually many factors involved. Maybe there's five, you know, we may only be aware of one or two of those. Mm -hmm. So then we go and fix that and we still fail. And then maybe over time we can start to figure out what those five things are. But if you have a mentor mm -hmm. that can say, oh, these are the five things and you can't work on number four until you work right. on number one. Because they themselves have worked hmm. through those at some point, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they've been on, on that part of the the journey, that part of the trail. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And I think if you can do that and if you're open to it and are able to stay humble, curious, have a beginner's mind, you can literally turn decades to days in the, mm -hmm. in the learning arc. And I think that's really cool too. Another part of mentorship that I really like is just that concept of standing on the shoulders of giants that mm -hmm. they're not only people who have put in much more time and hours but there are generations and there are lineages that stretch back to the beginning of time you know yeah, so why not plug into that you know yeah well, especially in the horsemanship world like this is not new stuff exactly none of it is no well, meditation breathing is not new horsemanship is not new and the deeper we go the deep the farther back this stuff gets i mean you're starting that's where this the golden thread concept and mm -hmm. the kind of getting closer to the truth it's like oh this is the stuff that we learn from indigenous cultures and mm -hmm. uh, and this stuff goes way way back this is the stuff that people had figured out you know long before colonization and i do think good mentors can help keep you out of the sort of shame spiral mm -hmm. or the, even mm -hmm. the imposter syndrome yeah. stuff, like having a good mentor helps sort of perfectionism. Yeah. It keeps you, it's not about you. Other people have felt the same way. You're not alone. What you're feeling is part of the path, part of the journey, part of the process keeps you out of that. I can't do this because I'm so bad at it or whatever, you know, whatever the self-talk is yeah those of us who like to be good at something immediately i very much in that category like oh it didn't work oh that craft project didn't work I'm not going to do that again <laughs> <laughs> it just goes back to community and connection the mentorship and the friendship and identifying people who have done all the same things before and they have more information than you do just more information than you do mm -hmm. and i i love that glennon calls her podcast we can do hard things and one day she was like, there's a reason it's a we. It's not <laughs> I, Glennon, can do hard things because I can't by myself. I have a huge team around me who helps me do all of these things that look fancy on the outside. It's not I, it's we. So, And even if it's a relationship of two, like the horse and you, it's a we. You have a community there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. It's so important. Speaking of community and mentorship, we were recently in community and mentorship experience and it went two ways. That's, you know, the beauty yeah. of that too. Yeah. And I've heard even from great master teachers that they, they feel like they learn and grow 
through the art of teaching. And it sounds oh, like yeah. one of the things that drives you, your core is that being a call to be a teacher actually. Mm-hmm. And something you taught us and helped remind too, is just the importance of language. Mm-hmm. And we talked the other day, we talked a little bit about that really specific in terms of the adaptive writing community versus mm-hmm. therapy writing community. And you even had a, a word for therapy I thought was really interesting. I was hoping maybe we could talk about that a little bit today too. Sure. So yes, there is there is definitely a push to look at the terminology we use and make sure that we are using it in a way that does not mislead people coming to look for our services. So if we are saying that we do therapy, we had better be actually doing therapy. So therapy in the equine assisted services world is could be something like equine assisted psychotherapy, where a psychotherapist is utilizing the horse as a treatment modality and is actually providing treatment. That's their client. They're providing treatment in that session or that lesson. It could be occupational therapy where an occupational therapist is utilizing an equine to provide therapy to their client. And that's the same for physical therapy. It's the same for speech language pathology. Everything else comes under some other terms like equine assisted learning, adaptive writing, or therapeutic writing. There's a a lot of people that call what I do therapy writing or writing therapy or horse therapy. And I, I like to invite people to think about it. Like if they're calling it equine therapy, if we're talking about equine chiropractic, that's chiropractic work for the horse. We're talking about equine massage, that's massage for the horse. So we always want to talk about therapy in the sense of an actual licensed therapist, whatever their specialty is. You can only call it therapy if there's actual therapy happening. Mm-hmm. And not not even if they're a therapist and they're teaching writing, it's still not therapy. They have right. to, it has to be an actual therapy session where they are pro- providing treatment to that client in the moment. So what I do, I'm a certified therapeutic writing instructor. So I utilize my skill set to teach riding and horsemanship skills to people of all abilities. That means I'm trained to adapt the environment, might be to adapt the arena, it might be to use lots of visuals and colors, it might be, you know, making markers that help people identify where they're asked to go. Uh, It could be adapting tack. It could be using color blocked reins so people can on their own look for the color that they're supposed to be hold, which is an appropriate rein length for their horse. It could be safety stirrups. So riders who have issues with wearing boots that are really tight for them, we can use safety stirrups that make, make that a lot safer for them to ride without a boot with a heel and a smooth sole. So there are lots of ways that we can adapt our environment. And so that's adaptive riding or therapeutic riding. And you can think about that like, you know, there's adaptive skiing and adaptive surfing and adaptive bike riding and all those things that you take a typical experience and then you, depending on what that person needs, you adapt it in a way that's safe and effective and beneficial. So yes, terminology is important. We all know that words matter. We need to make sure that the people receiving services are very clear about the service that they're receiving. If a parent thinks that they're coming to receive therapy and that's the the language that you use, that's not good. They need to be clear that of what you're qualified to do. 
That's interesting how you delineated equine therapy in relation to like equine massage and equine mm-hmm. chiropractic. I never thought about that before. I know I myself have kind of just not knowing this said equine therapy, like, oh, our friend Laura does equine therapy, but mm-hmm. even just delineating that, it would be equine assisted psychotherapy would be a much more specific way of explaining that that not only you know i mean words matter so much we talk a lot about that even in the respect to the embodiment part about how to understand horses is the paradox right to understand horses we have to learn how to use our language to understand and embody information so that we can then learn how to communicate (laughs) non-verbally to horses it's a really fascinating (laughs) thing there are some people in in the industry who do provide therapy and call it equine therapy that's not something we do with path we have fit clear language that we use for our programming and if you go to a path center's website or a center that has path instructors you will likely see that they're using all the same terminology they might have lots of different types of programming but kind of all under that same umbrella. So mm-hmm. as an umbrella term, we use equine assisted services to encompass all of those things. And then we're very specific about the program, uh, the language we use to describe the programs and the staff that we have available. That makes sense. And in PATH, for a lot of people that don't know, that's that's a very large, it's in the name, it's international. I don't know how many people and centers are, are certified through there, but it's the gold standard I would say, right? That's fair to say. It's Yeah, definitely one of the largest leading organizations. Yes, training and certifying instructors, accrediting centers to make sure that they're meeting lots of standards that are safety standards, facility standards, those for training and equipment standards, all kinds of things. And there are other organizations too, big ones and small ones that are doing really impactful, awesome work in the community. And some of those also have taken on this optimal terminology information as well. And then there are some that, like you said, there are therapists out there still using equine therapy as a term to describe their work. Just as long as we're very clear about what we're offering and what our credentials are and what we're licensed to do. That's the other side to the language is it just gives the proper respect due to the the certifications. Like I'm a certified massage therapist, but if I Mm -hmm. say I'm doing physical therapy for horses, I would be misusing a title there. If I said I was doing chiropractic for horses, it'd be a, a huge misrepresentation. So, mm-hmm. so it does really matter. And equine therapy, generally speaking, I think if we're not up on the optimal terminology and if we're not in the industry, we would think that's maybe a counselor doing mm-hmm. therapy with a person and a horse. So yeah, mm-hmm. just being really specific about the language, I think is really yeah. interesting. It also yeah. shows all the things that are possible. You know, it's not just Absolutely. equine therapy. It's, you just listed off like six different things. And I know there's probably more, you know. Yeah, there's interactive vaulting, there's ground driving, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think some people sometimes they hear that you're talking about language that we can do better or terminology standards and it feels exclusive. But like you're saying, it helps you learn about all the things that are possible. I think it's a really inclusive approach mm-hmm. uh, to terminology. If we get it right, we can uh, educate and inform people. And and ultimately, people will learn that there is something out there that they can do with horses that's either therapy or something adaptive that can bring joy and healing to them. So if people, there have been, for an example, there was one parent that came to us and, and she said, you know, I don't, the kid wants to ride horses. I don't really think it's right for her though. She doesn't need people to walk alongside her. And I really don't know if this is a program. And I said, well, awesome. 
we have lots of independent riders. So, you know, come on in and we can do a test ride and see how it goes. And she was thrilled that her daughter could feel accomplished and confident. And all she needed was a little extra emotional support and someone who could guide her through that. Then she was able to move on to a different program when she moved that was a more typical riding experience where she no longer needed those supports. So yes, her daughter could definitely benefit from adaptive writing programming. So it's an opportunity for us to help educate the public as well, which is important. So important. I know Victoria and I have had conversations about the adaptive principle because she's in the master's of social work program. And rather than that being like a special program, like what if just the whole world was adaptive, you know, there was just Mm -hmm. something for everybody and everything. Like Like, options, like the word you used earlier, you know, just another option. What we find, especially when we're talking about these adaptations that are put into place for different learning styles or neurodiversities, Mm -hmm. they actually are, would benefit most of us. Like they're the things that my son, who is on the spectrum for autism, gets help with to process information with his schoolwork, absolutely would help his two older brothers, but Mm -hmm. because they don't have this diagnosis, those things aren't accessible to them. And I think about it all the time. It's just like, I think the world just needs to be more adaptive. Like that's a word that we all could use like we all need some of this of putting it on the this population that that already has a lot on their plate like okay now you mm-hmm. you're, here's you're getting your special stuff it's it mm-hmm. just doesn't feel right all the time yeah and we're moving away from the term special needs mm-hmm. and using you know diverse needs or people of all abilities or just people right including everybody mm-hmm. i remember going to a presentation a virtual presentation like mid 2020 when we're all just not even knowing what was going to happen with the world and she said you could assume that everyone's just walking around all traumatized oh yeah yeah and then that that creates this okay well we're I can assume that that person's reaction might mean that they have something going on that I don't know. I may never know, but I'm going to approach them with a little more kindness today. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's really all we need to do. Just knowing that everyone has things that we will never know. Everyone has some level of trauma, some more than others. And all we need to do is be present and kind. Yeah. One question that said, use one word to describe the horse person you aspired to be. My two words were present and kind. I could, couldn't pick one. Nice. Just what, that's just what we need to be. Be present with people. Listen to them when they're talking. Notice them. And you approach everything with kindness. Which I'm not always good at doing all those things. So, you know. <laughs> but you those are intentional things. Those are things that you have to, that we have to practice. Is, yeah. Those are aspirational <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> I was at a trauma-informed training the other day, mm-hmm. and just when you said that about we all need to assume that we're all walking around with trauma, the facilitators said we all just need to have T-shirts that like say <laughs> what our trauma is, and the behaviors that 
manifest mm-hmm. on one mm-hmm. side what our traumas are and on the other side and then yeah. we'd all be a lot kinder and more present with each other Understanding. yeah yeah it's so yeah. true yeah there was i was in a training the other day with one of the largest centers in the country super awesome and they do trainings for other centers which is cool and they have this how to work with me document so all their staff fills it out and it has, you know, how I like to receive feedback, how I like to give feedback, what's important to me, and all these questions. So it was a document. Everybody reads everyone's documents if they're working with them. And if there's any kind of conflict or, wow, what is that about? Is that person mad? You go back and you look at it. Mm. And if there's something in there that you could do better to support that person, then you do it. If there's, It's usually all explained in this document which is basically like the t-shirt <laughs> that says, this is how you can work with me. <laughs> like this is, this is my stuff. And this is how I communicate and how I receive communication. This is how we can all get along, which was, it was a fascinating exercise to look at. So I'm excited to jump into that a little more and see how we can apply it too. Yeah. I like that. I think I'm going yeah. to be thinking about that. That's good stuff. <laughs> We just have a few more questions before we start to land our plane here. I'm wondering though, like what's what's next for you in your journey? What's on the horizon? And how could people get in touch with you or follow your process or get to know more about the program you work for? Just all that yeah. good stuff. Awesome. Thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can find our center at hakubaldwincenter.org, H-A-K-U. B-A-L-D-W-I-N, center.org. Okay, um, I'll put all that in the liner notes too. <laughs> so that's our center. Those are our programs. You can also reach me on my email if you have any questions about becoming a PATH instructor or any PATH programs. As a region ambassador, that's my job to answer those kinds of, as a region ambassador, we have many. It's my job to answer those questions. You can reach me at chrissystout at gmail.com. And then I also have a company that develops teaching aids and visual aids for instructors to help instructors excel, to aid in that kind of communication, to create supports for students, aids for EAS.com, EAS meaning Equine Assistant Services. And you can always use that email if you want to reach out to me, christystout at gmail.com. As far as what's next, every year I try to set bigger, loftier goals for myself, like shiny ones with flashing lights. And then I'm always blown away by, you know, having that kind of mindset, all of the other things that kind of come to me as far as opportunities. So I'm not sure what's next, but I'm open-minded and I keep, you know, putting myself out there in ways that I think might be helpful for people. I love mentoring other instructors. So definitely get in touch if you're curious about either becoming an instructor or receiving services. There are centers all across the country and around the world even if it's not PATH, there are other organizations that are awesome too. My mom and my sister volunteer at the RDA, which is a Writing for Disabled Association in Australia. And my other sister worked there when she was in high school, I believe. So lots of awesome people all around the world pairing people and horses together for awesomeness. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Magical awesomeness. Okay, Chrissy, thanks for all that. I'll put those all those sites down in the liner notes too if anybody wants to to dive into that some more. How about this one? The the three things question. 
This is one of our favorite questions to ask. So no pressure though. <laughs> if you had to sum up the most important or most meaningful ideas about horses and people to only three things, what would they be? Mm, we need community. Mm. Horses and humans, and we should seek it out if we don't have it. It's there. It's all community is just there to find it if you don't have it. Horse, I think I've kind of said before, like horses don't lie. They have immediate, honest feedback, and we can learn so much from them. And I think approaching everything with the mindset of I get to is super important. I get to be with my horse. I get to learn more. I get to be humbled by my horse on a regular basis. I get to. So forward thinking growth mindset is important for humans and horses, for sure. I hear belonging, gratitude, mindfulness, mm -hmm. just all the stuff we've been talking about today. All of those, all of the above. <laughs> okay. And then what about... When it comes to horses, someone or something that you feel gratitude for? Horses <laughs> and how they tolerate all the things we want to do to them. I mean, we herd them. We herd them onto properties and we put fences around them. And then we ask them to come do things with us that we think are fun. So <laughs> very grateful for horses and how much they are willing to do and forgive and be with us. Very grateful for that. Uh, also grateful for mentors and friends and friends who are mentors and mentors who are friends for like lighting the way sometimes and shining, shining the light on the path and saying, uh, yeah, you can go forward <laughs> and you should, and you already have everything you need mm. go forth and do things. And I feel that that's part of why I want to mentor because I want to give that back to people and help move people forward where they want to go empowering riders and participants in lessons sessions like yes you can do this you can do this you can ask a thousand pound animal to come towards you without talking or pulling or forcing if you can do that you can do anything yeah wow <laughs> very cool yeah i love that chrissy and uh, you already said this but just to just to round it out again, one word or two to describe the kind of horse person you aspire to be. I think, yeah, present and kind can get you a lot of places with horses. There was one quote, I think it may have been on, been on one of your Instagram posts or something that says, if you work on a horse, getting that horse better, that horse gets better. If you work on yourself, all of the horses get better. Oh, yeah. Work with. So, and you can do that through being present and being kind to the horse and to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. There's that mirroring process too, right? <laughs> That's all you need. We already know. We already all know how to do this. We might just need some help uh, remembering. I love that. I remember early on in the journey process, you said, wait a minute, I know how to be with horses. Like I can do this. I know what I'm doing here. And that, that was so powerful. When you said that, I was just like, that is what we all need to meditate on before we go to the barn. We are fully 
already where we need to be. I mean, it, we have what we need, I guess. It's just mm -hmm. a matter of trusting that, letting that lead us. That's yeah. so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that moment. <laughs> Those weeks having struggles with horses because I was trying too hard and I was thinking too much and I was just all up in my head. And I, you know, was trying to get okay with saying, I don't know. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know, like accepting all answers like I do for participants. I'm going to accept all answers for myself. And what came to me was, okay, so I already know how to be, like be a human. I know how to breathe. I know how to be safe around horses and myself. And I know how to be present. Hmm. I know how to notice. I think noticing more. I know how to notice. I know how to notice what's happening with me happening in the environment, what's happening with the horse. I already know how to do all that. And if I just keep doing that, then I'm going to figure it out. Yes. Nice. <laughs> and that's applicable in life. I mean, that's what's so beautiful about the horse stuff is like, oh, let's see, that's how I should maybe approach all the relationships that I'm involved in right now. That's yeah. how I should approach yeah. all of the endeavors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then there's like all of that to explore how you can apply all the things you learn about yourself and horses to the rest of life. Yeah. Great point and activity for the future. <laughs> next podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I know where to pick up next time. And my life's, you know, mission and, and our work. work. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do we be better humans? How do we Let's be better just, right. <laughs> nice small talk. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just little stuff. Just little stuff. Just little things. Little things. Little tiny concepts. Did you have a chance to think about your mini playlist? For stall cleaning? <laughs> so well, if you have five I, songs I you're cleaning stalls too. Well, there would definitely be some Eddie Better in there. I, oh, really? I <laughs> love that Eddie Better. I, but honestly, if I'm at the barn, I try not to have headphones on, but if I do, it's usually a podcast to try and learn how to be a human uh, <laughs> or some kind of like meditation, one of Josh's meditations or some kind of walking meditation. And then in the class, we had an awesome Spotify list that everyone contributed to, which was <laughs> so cool. So, you know, learning and hearing new music is awesome, but I never, I, I always struggled with that. What's your favorite song? What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite food? I'm like, I don't know. Can someone tell me what those things are? Because I, <laughs> I like all of the things and sometimes none of the things or one thing or 10 things or so. Yeah. Usually a podcast lately meditation nice. <laughs> <important> that is. <laughs> uh, or some music that I've heard that other people are interested to. And I'm just like, let's check that out. I think you kind of answered this, but what do you think those choices, which is you just keep like to keep your options open, except for Eddie Vedder, which I am <laughs> with you on that. What do you think that says about you and your horse journey? Like if you could sort of bring that into, you know, okay. <laughs> liner notes about Chrissy. I think that I... I'm just at a place where I'm okay not knowing the answer. Ooh. And I right, which I you know, it was a hard journey to get there. But I 
and I don't want to, I work really hard at not putting other people in boxes and labeling people. So I'm trying to give that gift to myself mm. and not, I, I found that the more or the less we limit ourselves and how we think about ourselves and what we like and what we don't like, the more opportunity there is there. So I feel like it's just opportunity, like you're saying, Josh, before, like you like that word opportunity when working with horses and missed opportunities and looking for more opportunities. I think that's it. That's the key. Mm-hmm. I'm just an opportunist. Is that what I am? Yes. <laughs> we talked about this before, too. You're you're a chronic learner. Yeah, chronic. Yes. Mm-hmm. I get way more continuing education than one would ever need. Yeah, I can't. I'm just an insatiable learner. And still that kid sitting in the shade, reading all the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't stop. Won't stop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't read a lot of books anymore other than like technical stuff for work. Uh, it's just like all podcasts and audiobooks. And I always say like audiobooks count. As oh, yeah. Because otherwise you're being ableist because some people don't process through reading. They process through hearing. So a hundred percent. I find that I do better when I listen to the audiobook and then go back and read. Like, that's what I need. Ooh, <laughs> cool. It's just, I have a hard time with retention cool. if I'm not doing it. So yeah, that's part of the journey is like figuring out what works for you. And unfortunately, the culture that we live in kind of tends to say there's this way to do it. And don't often, we're like adults before we even realize that there's like other ways of doing anything. We've even like seen it or heard the language or whatever, which... Is kind of everything we've been talking about today. Josh is trying so hard to wrap this up, and then we're just like, let's keep talking. Oh, no, that's no, good. Yeah. <laughs> I know. We love it. Yeah. We are terrible. Well, we're just going to keep talking. <laughs> there's a lot. No, it's awesome. I have loved it so much. This is such a cool conversation. I always enjoy talking with both of you. I always get so much out of it, and I just appreciate it so much. same same yeah likewise likewise and Mm -hmm. thank you for all the work you do connecting humans and horses being an advocate for the horse always learning and growing yourself so that you can be of service to others Mm -hmm. and be of service to horses i think if there are more people like you in the world the world would be a better place so we appreciate you and anything we can keep doing to support you we're gonna keep looking for and we're gonna keep learning from you too yeah moving forward yeah you're an inspiration you're a light so we're grateful we're grateful to have met you and have had a chance to do this podcast with you too to share chrissy with the rest of the world Mm-hmm. record our awesome conversations because we've had many <laughs> yeah. this is just, just the first inviting of... everyone in. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and this is just Sorry, Josh, you, can, you can keep wrapping well, it up Sorry. <laughs> and this is just the first part or <laughs> or maybe two parts so this might be the end of part two we'll see how right, that, that yes. goes but i mean um, this yeah, is good. this is the first series i'll say and we'll think of a next series to come back to so all right thank you chrissy yeah. for for coming on and doing this and we look forward to the next time Thank you for joining us on the Herd is Calling podcast. Remember, you can learn more about our programs and our community at myhorsejourney.com. I hope you enjoyed the show today. If you did, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. That would help us tremendously. We appreciate you listening. And as always, may the horse be with you.